go towards the pain. Yeah. I promise you, like it's the last thing you want to do, but I promise you on the other side of pain is freedom. Welcome to Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? I'm Emily Fletcher and I believe that bliss is your birthright. That's why I'm calling on my world-class network to uncover the most potent, spine-tingling, even taboo healing modalities, all so you can reclaim your bliss. Let's do this. Today's guest is one of my best friends, Dr. Liz Letchford. She is a clinician, she is a researcher, and an artist who is bridging the gaps between the measurable and the immeasurable. She is really dancing this beautiful line between science and spirit, helping people to understand their physical, mental, emotional, and sexual health so that we can all get to a deeper sense of wellness and vitality. She is developing something called Body Church. And in this episode, we talk about her personal awakening, which I witnessed, and it was one of the most profound healings I've ever seen. I've never seen someone skyrocket in their capabilities to to dance with the divine like Liz has, watching the profound powers that came online for her and how she has transitioned her life, her career, what she's dedicated her genius to has been so inspiring. We go into some very exciting and very taboo topics. You're going to hear her share one of my new favorite quotes, which is let it hurt and then let it go. She talks about one of the only places where you can truly feel the profundity of your pain and then transmute it, which is the kink community. So if you've ever been interested in a PhD in kinesiology and rehabilitation, talk about the science of kink, you're in the right place. Saddle up, friends. Dr. Liz Letchford, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. Wow. We are doing it. We are doing it. We have lived a lot of life together, but we've never recorded a podcast no, together. No, we got a lot to say. <laughs> we do. I'm buckle so, up, Buttercups. Buckle up. I'm so <laughs> excited. Um, okay, so let's just... Okay, well, I feel very torn as to whether or not I want to say like, let's hear your journey Mm -hmm. or do we just go right into like, why isn't everyone listening to their bodies? Well, they're the same thing. Okay. Okay, great. (laughs) And so what I've discovered, so I was, oh my gosh, ever since I was five years old, I was so curious about the body. Like I wasn't interested in playing with my friends. I was reading books about nature and and I had this body book that had little like naked cartoons of a boy and a girl. And I was like penis and (gasps) vulva. Side note, my son, Jasper, he's four and a half. He's almost five. And we have the Alex Gray one (sighs) and there's naked bodies. And he just flips through all the pages of like the science and the spirit. And he's like, penis, Vulva. Yeah. And I'm so proud that he's saying vulva and not vagina. Of course. <laughs> okay, so little Liz is five, looking at bodies. I and and then when I was in middle school, instead of watching MTV or or being caught up in all of these reality TV shows, I was watching Trauma Life in the ER. Uh-uh. And all and so I had this deep obsession for not only going towards the emergency, running towards the fire, but also the body. And I thought those things were distinct my whole life. That they and were distinct? That they were just separate. Like, separate. Like, okay. uh, like survival. I was reading all these survival books. Something in my being was like, know what to do when things hit the fan. And also the body's really cool and fascinating. And so ever from ever since the beginning, my first job, I was a I was a lifeguard. I wanted to know what to do. I wanted to help people. Wow. And my second job, I was an EMT. I studied Wait, your second job as an EMT. How, second job how was, old are you at this time? Uh uh 18, 19. Well, 
Yeah, I was a freshman in college and I You can get a job as a freshman in college as an EMT. You can. It's kind of terrifying. To me. <laughs> I mean, good for you and yeah, also I was a scary. tiny baby. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I was so passionate about helping people. So there's this this green energy that I was having where I'm like so curious and so like I haven't yet been jaded by the medical industry yeah. and so I'm just like I want to help so much and there's mm-hmm. a lot to there's a lot of rich soil there. And I was studying to be an athletic trainer, which if if you've watched uh, any sports, the medical team that runs out on the field, that's the athletic trainer. And so I'm learning how to respond to emergencies. I'm learning how to rehab injuries. I went on to get a master's degree in athletic training and then went on still was like, I don't, there's not a job here that I really feel called to. So I guess I'll just stay in school and then continue to, to work as a EMT, continue to work as an athletic trainer and studied got my PhD in kinesiology and rehabilitation science. And I studied the way the bodies move. So kinesiology is the way that bodies move. Mm -hmm. And so I took courses in anatomy. I did cadaver dissection. How many cadavers did you dissect? Um, I did three different ones. And at like in undergrad, you have the grad students dissecting it for you. So you're just sort of identifying in grad school, you start helping with the dissections. And then once I got my PhD, I was just sitting there. It was like 12 at night going into the cadaver lab, just like doing it myself. Wow. And yeah, to be, to have that be normalized, um, it was really important to me because uh-huh. it's the, it's to have gratitude for the person who to allow their body to be submitted to science for yeah. research, for us to have these discoveries. There's just an immense amount of reverence for, for that whole process. Would you ever do it? Would you donate your body? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but in a way, we are donating our bodies because of what I'm about to share. I'm like, okay. let me use my body um, to embody my practices and share them with you. So in a way, I'm donating my body to science, but we'll get there. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> like, maybe that's overkill. Um, <laughs> so uh, studying my PhD, uh, as a clinician, so I'm, I'm a clinician and a researcher, so I have this really cool perspective of being able to be in the on the field with my athletes while also studying and seeing what research is out there. So someone gets an injury, I'm like... Let me go check the research. And as I'm developing my research question, I'm I'm drawing from my experience with the clinical. So that's that's oftentimes not the case. Right. There's sort of separate. Counts. There's usually a separate. You're either at a computer looking at books, or you're on the field doing it. But those worlds aren't married. Not usually in the same person. Yeah. And so there can sometimes be a communication boundary between them because the people doing the research are doing it in a laboratory. It's not on a field, and that's the, one of the fundamental flaws in peer-reviewed research. Mm. Is you know, we have to maintain this really uh, sterile environment so that we know that all the variables that we're measuring are actually what we're measuring. Mm-hmm. But life doesn't happen in a sterile environment. Mm-mm. So there's always this negotiation between what's happening in real life and what's happening in science. And I got a real life embodied experience of that through my PhD process. Mm. And it was so hard for me to negotiate that. I was just like, how? So what is the science? Who's right? Science or our intuition. And so I struggled with that for so long and I graduated and I opened my own business. I helped people recover from injuries and um, kind of did one-on-one work. So I got this intimate experience with people's ex- ex- own stories, mm-hmm. their own bodies. Yeah. You did a session on me. I remember this is like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So like 
pre this new like Liz 2.0, Liz 100.0, <laughs> which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but even then, like you're, you were so intuitive. And I remember you touched this one spot on my lower back and you're like, what is that? And I started sobbing, crying, and I knew that it was birth trauma. Mm. And I, I don't think I had really consciously realized that until that moment. Yeah. And I remember you were really interested in studying like how to um, how's emotional trauma play or show up in female athletes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was finishing my dissertation. My dissertation was on uh, there's a there's a an epidemic of ACL injuries of knee injuries in female athletes. And so I spent eight years of my life Whoa. trying to figure out why. And part of my, re I didn't even publish my research because after I realized like, this isn't even, this is such a, this is not even it. So the question, in order to get a study, in order to research something, you have to research the tiny pieces of it. And what I found was we've been looking in all the wrong places. We're studying the joint angles and we're making theories about, oh, well, women have, more injuries, female athletes have more injuries to their knees because of their menstrual cycle or because of their bodies, which I fundamentally disagree with. I don't believe that because we're in a female body, we have a propensity to become more injured. I just don't believe that. And unfortunately, the research, the data right now is showing, yeah, women are six times more likely to injure their knees than male in the same sport. But I don't think we're actually asking the right questions. And something in me while I was doing my research wanted to ask my subjects, how are you? Like we're putting biomarkers on you and having you run through hoops and taking motion capture analysis and studying your joint angles and testing your strength. We did, we sent them through the whole observational subjective, uh, objective gamut. Mm -hmm. And what we didn't do was get into their minds. And what we're learning is the mind and the body are not disconnected. And so I felt this, this dissonance in my own research. Like I'm not doing the world of, of like, I'm, I'm like, God, we're not even answering the question we want to, we want to answer. We're not asking the right question. We're not asked. We're just not asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. I had this compulsion. I was, I wanted to ask my subjects, are you stressed? When was the last time you really took care of yourself? When was the last time you rested? You're a high school athlete who is trying to get into college and on at soccer, it's like a year round sport. When is the last time you rested? Mm. How, how is the stress in your body? Mm. And, and we can get into the global perspective of as a woman, there's a whole slew of, of beliefs about our bodies that actually live in our bodies and are causing my theory, my philosophy. We don't know this yet is that our belief about our bodies, our belief about our worthiness, our belief about our existence as in a feminine body or as a human is actually causing us to be not embodied and that's what causes injury. Mm. Here's the thing. When our mind and our body are connected, it's called embodiment, we have what's called proprioception. We have afferent motor neurons, that say, if you tap your shin, your brain's like, the shin is being tapped. If you, if you have light sensation on the shin, the brain says, the shin is being tapped lightly. If you put pain on your shin, the brain, there's a different pathway, a different motor pathway that says, the shin is in pain now. 
So there are all these parts of your brain that light up. So our brain has an entire map of the body. And when we touch it in different ways, either soft touch or hard touch or pain, it lights up different parts of the brain. We know that we only use a very small percentage of our brain. And so what I'm observing in people is that that small percentage of our brain is directly correlated to our ability to be fully embodied and have access. What small percentage? The the fact that we're only using a small percentage of our brain mm-hmm. is is that's what we see in in humans. It's what we see in in their ability to be in their intuitive gifts. And so does that make sense? I would love you to say it again. Cause so, mm-hmm. so like I hear that there's like different receptors in the brain that are noticing different types of sensations, sensations in the body. I got that like we're using just a small percentage of the mm-hmm. brain, but then I want to understand like what there's an extrapolation there that I don't understand. Yeah. So when you are able to feel in all places in your body, we it's because fear doesn't live there. When you're able to feel a part of your body, it's because fear does not live in that part of the body. So the opposite of embodiment is fear. Mm -hmm. So our bodies keep us safe, which is why when I poked that spot of your back, Mm -hmm. you said, this is too painful. I don't want to, your body said, this is too painful. I don't want to feel this. Mm -hmm. So there's fear in the place where there could be embodiment, where there could be awareness. Mm -hmm. So we, we as humans have evolved. We are to feel, we've gone through a whole evolution of not feeling safe. There's wars and famine. And, and, and so safety is a huge, um, part of our evolution is creating safety in the body. And luckily we're at a place right now where for the most part, you know, there are parts of the world that this is not true, but as a human collective species, we're able to feel safe in our homes for the most part. I mean, there are many exceptions, but I just want to yeah, but like statistically speaking, statistically as as like, speaking, yeah, yeah like I don't want to just in human history. This is like actually one of the safest, healthiest times. We have longer lifespans. Like that is just data, and of course, there is domestic abuse. Of and course, I want to acknowledge. Impo- that. Yes, of course. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not. You're not saying that everyone that. on the earth is right. safe right now, but if we look at the timeline of the species, this mm-hmm. is actually one of the healthiest, safest times for yes. the species. Yeah, right. And so. Um, we have the privilege of exploring what it's like to be fully safe in our bodies. And so I realize I have the privilege of exploring what it's like to feel fully safe in my body. You hear people dissociating, right? Have you ever dissociated, just been like froze? It's a trauma response, freezing. Mm-hmm. I usually fawn. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, uh, let me make you okay. Is everything okay? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't feel safe. So let me make sure that I'm, I'm, abandoning my truth mm-hmm. to make sure that you don't hurt me. Yeah. It's a it's another one of the trauma responses. Yeah. Freezing or dissociating is is a trauma response and it's the fear takes over our possesses our body and our brain can't communicate with our body. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to paint the landscape of how the brain body connection works mm-hmm. where the brain is communicating to the body. The brain is saying lift, you know, open your hands and the body is saying, "Hey brain, feel this." The, there's there's neurons that go this way and there's neurons that go that there's nerves that go this way nerves that go that so way. from the body to the brain and from the brain to the body there's roads two-way street they're communicating with each other when there's fear the communication goes dark it's like when in both directions in both directions so now they're existing separately and so when we have fear which is an emotional play. It's an emotional, we are afraid of something. It's a subjective reality. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that, um, for example, that 
I've, I've, I'm working on a fear of being judged, for example. So if I'm in a situation where I'm afraid of being judged, there, that will live in a part of my body. Fear will take over that part of my body. My brain and my body won't communicate. And so then I'm in my head. Oh my gosh, I'm afraid. Da, 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 da. And so that's why all of these calming practices for grounding is actually breathe, calm your nervous system, and then ground your body. Feel your physical body. Mm-hmm. Come back into all areas of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, we, when we're able to be fully embodied, then our intuitive gifts come online. And embodiment you're defining as the brain and body are talking to each other. The brain and the body are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. I like that. I've never heard that simple, clear definition of embodiment. And the, the block to embodiment, plain and simple, fear. Fear. And so the key to getting more embodied is not to force it, is not to say, come on, feel this. It's to cultivate courage enough to confront your fears so that you can embody that place that was once afraid. So let's say, because I'm sure that many people listening are dealing with some sort of fear, some sort of pain in their body, right? Even chronic pain, there's something that's been dissociated. They're just, oh, that's just, I just have a bad knee or they just written it off as mm-hmm. like, well, I have scoliosis or like, oh, I had kids and now I can't feel my abdomen or like whatever, mm-hmm. right? They either experiencing active chronic pain or they've written something off in their body as defunct. Mm-hmm. So if if the hypothesis here is that that is some sort of fear or lack of communication between the brain and body. Mm. And that the only antidote to that fear is to confront the fear. Like, how do we do it? And can you walk us through an exercise? My assumption is that it's mm. love, mm. right? That like the only, because I love, this is a musical theater quote, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's from Aspects of Love. It's like, uh, you can't have more than one emotion at the same time. One makes the other more acute and then it cures it. And so, and there's the other one where it's like, uh, you know, there's only two emotions, fear and love. And that's obviously a gross oversimplification. But if we're going to really draw a line in the sand, it's gradations of fear and gradations of love. Mm-hmm. So if, could you walk us through an exercise or give us like a really mm, like starter guide of like, say my lower back, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I have worked on it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and I, when I think about my back, I definitely go into like the aggressive, like I'm always ramming stuff into it and I'm like rolling on it. I'm putting softballs in it. I'm just like being so aggressive, trying to get rid of the pain and trying Mm -hmm. to get it to open. And as you're saying this, I'm having aha moments of like, Mm -hmm. I'm not loving it. Mm -hmm. I'm not loving my lower back. I'm Mm -hmm. not loving this injury. I'm not being like gentle with it because Mm -hmm. it hurts so bad and it keeps me from doing and like being fully who I am. And like, and yet I, like, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh my God, I just have to, I have to love my back. Like I have to love this injury. I have to love the thing. It's like my fucking son. It was the birth of my son that originally created this. And so like, there's so much to love there. Mm -hmm. And so I would just be so grateful if you could help us like walk through how to love these injuries and love the fear. Yeah. 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 And thank you for sharing your story because I know it's going to be resonant. Because everyone who experiences some sort of pain in their physical body, you know, even if it's a traumatic event, I got hit by a car, there's an emotional resist, there's an emotional resistance there as well. We've adapted to, to, to be survival creatures. So first of all, recognizing your body is so wise, it's just trying to keep you safe. It's just trying to keep you safe. But there's a way where you can actually say, no body, like 
I got you. Like we're, it's safe now. I am surrounded by four walls. I have people who love me. It's now, I'm an environment that's safe for me to heal. So the first thing is to get really grounded. So take a big, deep breath. And I invite everyone to do this along with us. And so just focus on your breath right now. You imagine the brain is split into three parts, a front, a middle, and a back. When we're in our middle brain, that's when we're really present. But oftentimes, we're in our front brain, and that's us worrying about the future. We're in our back brain, and that's us staying in the past. So see if you can imagine your awareness in your mind now coming to the very center of your brain, kind of like as if you're wearing a headband, right, right in that space between your ears, very middle brain. Breathe into that awareness. And then imagine, if you imagine all the veins in your legs, the beautiful veins that bring your legs nourishment and blood flow and oxygen, you imagine them as if they were to come out of your legs and be actual tree roots and then allow them to weave down into the ground, deep down through the earth, the entire lower body is now completely intertwined with the earth. So sending those roots deep down, down, further down still until you get to the very center of the earth, which is liquid fire, it's lava, it's molten. So feel the warmth of the earth allowing these visuals to just help your nervous system find a pathway to groundedness. We're helping your system feel safe. And these visuals are a tool to get us there. And so now from this grounded place, it's a two-way street. So allowing that earth molten lava to fill your legs, filling them, and then allowing the root system to take any frenetic energy and pour it down into the earth. So feeling so grounded here. And then coming back to your breath, big inhale. Big exhale. And now noticing your body. Is there any place in your body that is speaking to you, saying, hey, I feel uncomfortable. Hey, this is loud. What's the loudest sensation that you feel right now? I have a skosh of camel toe. And <laughs> <laughs> just being honest, but that's uh, not your problem. Um, <laughs> um, right now, lower back feels open. Mm. Am I feeling like some tightness in my neck mm -hmm. and tra traps? Okay, so let's talk to the tightness in your neck and your traps. Mm -hmm. You can really communicate with your body. So let me act as your brain to kind mm -hmm. of be the translator between your brain and your body. So feeling all the sensations in your neck and your shoulders, feeling the tightness, allowing it to be there. And asking that tightness, what are you? Who are you? What message do you have for me? And does anything come up for you? 
when you're doing that, I feel my shoulders rising and mm-hmm. the muscles being like, oh, good, we get to be tense now. Yeah, so why don't we let your body be tense? Mm-hmm. We spend so long being like, oh, God, I got to sit up straight and I got oh, to relax, right? <laughs> but something in your body is afraid. There's fear that lives here. So let your body be afraid. Let it be afraid. Let it express what it needs to express. This is a part of you that is afraid. And it's likely a young part of you. And so when you let it be seen, you say, hey, hey, I see you. You can be as afraid. I'm not trying to change you. I know previously I was. I'm sorry that I stuck knuckles in you and I stuck implements in you and just tried to force you to open. But now I'm going to let you be exactly how you want to be. What's changing in your body? What's changing in your chest and your shoulders now? I can actually feel and see this like very old, like 20 year old knot. And I can, I can feel it even though I can't feel it. Uh-huh. And then as you're saying that, like I feel my body softening and opening and it's actually exactly how I would treat my son. Like I wouldn't tell him not to feel his feelings. I wouldn't tell him not to be where he is. So it's like, can I love my body and let it be where it is the way I would love my son and let him be where he is. And what a gift to have had a son so you can experience the, the sensation of unconditional love. That's what our bodies are craving. Our bodies are just craving us to unconditionally love. Hey, you're feeling tense? I still love you. Yeah. So let that resonate. And now that your body is seen... Just like when you're in an argument with someone and you're just like, you're not listening to me and you just turn into a dragon. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> when you're, when someone's like, oh, I see what you mean. It's like, oh, good grief. Okay, well, now we can get somewhere. So when we listen, then we're able to actually hear. So now, are your shoulders still talking to you? Like I feel aware of them, but I feel them like gradually, slowly softening and dropping. Okay. And so what's talking the loudest to you now? Like when I'm seated, I can't feel it. Mm. But when I stand up, like what's been happening the past few days is like my hips feeling out of alignment and mm-hmm. then all my like lower back and hips sort of compensating or like trying to figure out what mm-hmm. what balance is. Mm-hmm. What else do you notice in your body? My stomach is sort of held in probably from some degree of nerves or vanity don't have to have a story. Just what are you noticing? Mm-hmm. I feel it softening and expanding now. Because you saw it. You listened to it. So this is the fun game of I get to listen to my body. Mm. Just like I'm listening. Tell me. Tell me what's going Why are you angry? Mm-hmm. And without having a story about it, without trying to change it, yeah. just holding space. Yeah, like how right? quick I went to a story of like, oh, I'm doing it because of vanity or I'm doing it because of nerves. Like, and we do that in relationships too. Mm-hmm. So healing and the fundamental nature of, of, of 
how our bodies are naturally wired to heal and to to be become embodied so that we can feel everything to become embodied to become embodied there's a there's a um there's an, a need to be able to witness the parts of us these i mean even our shoulder or our left thumb like people have the craziest weirdest um insidious which means unknown origin onset pathologies so it can, What's pathology? Pathology mean? is uh, any sort of condition. So you know you've been told you have fibromyalgia, or you have a chronic uh, turf toe, or whatever it might be. It can be anything. Anything is a pathology. Okay. And so any sort of disease or disorder. Um, and so insidious or a or an unknown origin of your pain. There's definitely an origin. Sorry to break it to you. There's definitely an origin, and it lives here. And it lives in your experiences. It lives in your in the your fears. It lives in the brain, which lives, lives in, in the brain, in and the it's fear. communicating to the body. Or there's a roadblock between the brain and the body. And so, this actually gets me to. So I, I I realized this. Oh my god, we're we're having pain because our body is just saying, "Listen to me, listen." And then we don't listen. We're like, "No, stop being painful." And it's like, "Listen to me, I have something to say." And then just like me, who's like loses her shit whenever someone's like not listening to me in an argument. I'm like, no, this is my truth. Let me speak my truth. I, you know, you become ungrounded and you might lose your, your footing. You have to talk louder to get someone's attention. Let me, you're not right. I'll start screaming. And that's what our bodies are doing. Yeah. Our bodies are screaming. Our bodies are saying, Hey, feel me, feel me. Okay. I'm going to speak louder. Feel me. And we get into deeper and more serious pathologies. Now I'll start wrecking the house. We're going to just burn the place down. Yeah, it's like a kid. Feel me. Mom, 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 mom. And then they will tear, they will throw stuff against the wall. And and so in spirituality, Mm -hmm. we call that the goddess Kali or the destroyer. But can you see, a lot of people are afraid of that destruction energy. We're like, oh God, my my back is just and we're so if we're so like anti, we're so resistant to it. But do you see that it's just trying to get your attention because it, it's craving love, mm. and it's loving you so much? I want you to heal. And so behind all of this destruction is actually just the deepest love, which is why they, you know, in spirituality, the parallel of this, the science the parallel of this, the science in the spiritual world is Kali, the goddess of destruction. She's just gonna. Burn away anything that's no longer serving you. She's here to say, feel me, feel all of my pain, feel all of my wrath, because on the other side of this is freedom and liberation. Mm-hmm. And so we bring it back to what's happening in the physical body, things that we can measure. And so our bodies are speaking to us. And so um, not literally, maybe, maybe, maybe our brains need to feel like, okay, yeah, there's a literal, my body's literally saying, um, this is uh this is what happened during my birth trauma. Maybe you'll literally hear a thought or a sound. Our brains are magnificent. They're able to give us those signals through clues and and they're able to create images so that we can heal ourselves, so that we can get the message. And so pain is the easiest way because it's actually something we can feel here in this body. Mm-hmm. And so this pain in your in your back that's related to your birth trauma. Or we're making that we're making yeah. that assumption, or scoliosis, or uh, my dad's kn- death, or who knows. And all of it is true. Yeah, um, it's just trying to get your attention. 
And so it's interesting to me that you like go at it and you're like, ah, please relax. And so what you're doing is- Aggressive relaxation. Let's hear my next book title. (laughs) Aggressive relaxation by Emily Fletcher. Non-consensual meditation by Emily Fletcher. (laughs) Sit down, shut up and relax. (laughs) Right fucking now. (laughs) (laughs) Or else- How's that for safety, Laura Back? <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, yeah. So creating safety is the key to being able to allow your system to actually speak and feel itself. Whoa. This is so wild. Cause like now that you're like, I love the way that you articulate this. It's so beautiful. Thank you for drawing the parallels between like, if we don't listen to the body, it will start wrecking the house, which is the Kali energy. It is the, the goddess of destructions. So we're seeing like both the scientific physical manifestation of this. And then the way that we've interpreted this for mm-hmm. thousands of years mm-hmm. in mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I went to a neuroscience conference like seven or eight years ago in New York City. And I remember being in the audience. I was like the only non-neuroscientist there. I was like fresh out of Broadway, like baby meditation teacher and just with a bunch of nerdy scientists. There's this person on stage. I don't remember where he was now, like what like university he was from, but he was sharing about a study on mindfulness. Mm. And let me retrieve this. They did a study on pain and mindfulness meditation. And there was four different controls. There was like um, a group of people that were listening to like an audio book, a group of people that got a fake analgesic cream. Like they, they were just lotion, but they told them it was pain reliever. Mm-hmm. They had a group where they taught sham mindfulness. So they would just basically said sit in a chair and breathe, but didn't actually give them any techniques. And then the fourth group, they actually taught them mindfulness. And then they gave them a pain stimulus, which was pain on the back of the calf, like really hot, like 114 degree temperature or something. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Um, And then they interviewed them like before and after both like what their perception of the pain was. And then also they were monitoring the brain. Mm. And Mm. in the books on tape people, like, so they like pain before, here's your pain response, 10 out of 10. Listen to this book pain response. Does it go down or not? Mm. Right. Fake analgesic cream, pain response before and after. Mm. So in um, the audiobook, virtually no change. Fake analgesic cream, 3% change. In the sham mindfulness group, the pain receptivity dropped by 22%, which is equal to morphine. In the actual mindfulness group, the pain receptivity dropped by almost 40%, which is double morphine. And I'm sitting there being like, is it, did you hear that? Like I, Clearly, I am not smart enough to understand what there's no way that mindfulness is that powerful to be more more effective than morphine. But then it's exactly what you're saying. Mindfulness is listening to the body, mm-hmm. right? It's like co- actively connecting your brain to your body and be like, what are you saying? And you get to discharge the pain. Right. If, if you think, if we personify the pain, if we personify our body, which is what spirituality has done for so long in order to understand it, because these concepts are really difficult to understand without housing them in something that we can understand. So that's why goddesses exist. It's why metaphors metaphors and and heroic journeys, it's all just the energies of the universe and our bodies. If we're able to just open up and go in there, you instantly had pain relief in your shoulders. You instantly, oh, okay, they're opening up, they're relaxing. You could have just as easily probably less easily, gone and got a massage or taken an ibuprofen or rubbed on them really hard, had some fascial release and and had probably less pain relief than just, okay, let me just listen to what, let me just feel rather 
what is going on in my body? Can you feel what is going on in your body? And the reason we have all of these other modalities, the reason we have analgesics, pain relief, is because it's helping us to numb, to not feel, mm-hmm. which is which is giving us relief, yes. And it's because we haven't cultivated enough courage to feel it all, to let it hurt so that we can then let it go. Or we've never even seen that modeled or we wouldn't Whoa, even know where. Or where we don't feel safe he- enough. There's so many reasons why mm-hmm. we as a culture aren't on this very real trend, this very real reality Mm -hmm. of how to deal with pain. And I am a huge proponent. What I see is that all of this pharmaceuticals, all of our Western medicine is so awesome and so necessary because they've hacked all of the molecules in the physical body to be able to to mimic the receptors that naturally occur in the body's own ability to heal itself. So here on the indigenous side of things, people who, you know, from the beginning of time were so in tune with nature, were so listening to their bodies who didn't have the technology of pharmaceuticals. Were like they had different technologies. Definitely different technologies, ancient technologies, which they wrote about, which Unfortunately, our Western culture is just starting to understand the deep wisdom that's actually there. So all I have is the jungle. All I have is my body. And all I have is the relationship to others. Okay. In that environment, I have pain. What do I do? I don't know. I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just listen to it right after maybe trying to like, oh my gosh, I'm in pain. I have nothing to do. I can't go eat some popcorn because it doesn't exist yet. I can't watch a reality show. I can't eat ice cream. I can't yell at somebody. I'm just going to sit with it. And so from that deep ability to be still and to listen because of the environment and the culture these indigenous communities were in from all over the world, you see it in Chinese medicine, Native American medicine, Northern India, every Ayurveda, it's all the same because mm. the, the people of the earth, when they didn't have technology, All they could do was listen to their body. So they developed this deep embodied intuition. Then for whatever reason, it got cut off, right? Then we we started to shift culture. And then, I mean, there's a reason, but we won't get into that. And then we developed technology. Thank God. But what's happened is we've disconnected from our indigenous roots. We've disconnected from the indigenous wisdom and said, well, if there's a reason to explain it with peer-reviewed research, then it negates this. And you're so silly for giving it a story and giving it mythology. But didn't we just personify your body and it gave you pain relief? That's all the myths are. And in one culture, it can be it can be uh, Brigid. In another culture, uh, in Celtic culture, there is a goddess Brigid. In Indian culture, there's the goddess Shakti. Right? There's there's all these parallels. It's the same energy. We're just calling it something different because of the beautiful culture that and the trees we're surrounded by and the, cult, the the community, the environment that we were raised in. We called it something different. But it's just humanity discovering itself. Yes, there's like different mythologies that are helping us to come back to this very primal and yet so easy to avoid of like feel the pain like listen to the body and like can the listening become a pathway to feeling and it's like so cliche and it rhymes we're just gonna like go there but like you have to feel it to heal it yeah totally let Mm -hmm. it hurt and then let it go let it hurt and let it go do you want to know where the only place in culture that this happens that people feel and let it go where people have innately Felt where it's okay 
I mean, it's super taboo, but where it's okay, where people have discovered, oh, I can feel my pain and then I can transmute it. Please tell me. The kink community. <laughs> Let okay. me explain. Okay. I am so excited to learn about this. Uh-huh. Like, if you were hearing this word kink and you're like, oh no, they Here just jumped the ship. <laughs> I just, I, I have just been reading books on this of like how outrageously therapeutic and healing it can be. And I am so stoked to get into the science of this. And so just real quick, what would you define the kink community as? What is so, it? So um, I would say people who go into a sexual space in order to transmute pain. And to, and in order to heal. So they derive pleasure from an experience with pain at an emotional, spiritual, or physical level. Mm-hmm. And so you might've heard of BDSM where, or, or um, what is BDSM? It's like bondage, dominance, dominance. masochism, uh, sadism, sadism and masochism. Okay. Um, and so, and so there's so much deep, rich wisdom in, in this community, this beautiful community that has, realized they've discovered the secret of, oh, when I go towards the pain and I match it and I, and I infuse it with pleasure, I transmute it. And now it's a place where I can access turn on. Cool. That's way cooler than just suffering in my own mental Or like delusions. spending our whole life trying to not just, feel it, which creates more and more suffering, spin. more and more pain. And two things, one, Dr. Andrew Huberman, um, <laughs> who is like, you know, the, uh, friend and Ziva graduate and wrote the forward to my book and is crushing mm. it in the podcast space right now. He just released a thing this week on pain where he said, it's it's not the pain that increases dopamine. It's the cessation of pain. It's when the pain stops that your dopamine levels go way up, right? And like, that's the thing we're all chasing is the dopamine. But here's why. So an increase in dopamine is is our, na- our body's natural way to create desire, Mm. So think about it. I desire ice cream because it increases my dopamine levels. I desire sex because it increases my dopamine levels. I desire social media. I desire community. I desire warm things because it increases my dopamine levels. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we desire to decrease pain, that's a fundamental biological system that's happening in our body. I desire to decrease pain. When pain is decreased, my dopamine goes up. We stop at, at, at whatever is going to get the pain to decrease the quickest and the easiest because because we're afraid because then there's more pain and there's less dopamine. And Wait, so say that part again. So if we're if we're if it's um so if <laughs> our bodies are desiring to decrease pain because that'll give us dopamine. Because that'll give us dopamine. Uh-huh. Simple biological equation. Mm-hmm. What we do instead because that system is here and it's hardwired into our bodies. We instead reach for the, I mean, I'm demonizing ice cream. I love ice cream, (laughs) but you know what I mean? It's a matter of social media. I'm going to reach for the quickest thing because I will get the dopamine hit. And we know that's a pathway. What's happening if we zoom out, what's happening on, on a fundamental level is, wow, our bodies are desiring to heal. And so if we can cultivate courage enough to, to know, to, to, to just be like, listen, you're going to get the deepest reward brain. If you just go one layer deeper and one layer deeper and you just know I'm, it's going to be painful, but on the other side of that is the deepest reward and ask anyone in the kink community, holy shit, the amount of pleasure you're able to feel when you go into a dominant submissive archetype or when you go into, when you infuse pain and pleasure, 
there's a reason it's so prolific. There's a reason it's so powerful. They're actually using it post 9-11 with mm. um, uh, fire firefighters and police officers and even like survivors. Like there was this huge surge in BDSM and the King community in New York City because of the depth of the trauma, that that was one of the only places where they could find relief because they had to go in and actually feel the profundity of the enormity of the pain in order to let the healing happen and to transmute it. And so here's the kink community. It is, here's a BDSM environment. As a benevolent dominatrix or as a dom, you are creating deep safety for someone to surrender their body to you to feel as much pain as possible in order to have pleasure. So we just take that scenario. Are you tracking that? Say that one more time. Okay, so mm-hmm. a dom. So uh, uh, let me just be really clear. As I was discovering this, I took an anthropological um, mission to train as a dominatrix. So I went in and I went to dom school and I was just studying like, holy cow, this is exactly what we're trying to do in medicine. I'm like, okay. And I had so many questions. I was asking about, okay, when you put pain here, what's happening? Why? And there's a whole system that's been derived from just observing what happens and helping people find their turn on through the things that have caused them the most pain. Mm -hmm. Because when you can go into somewhere where you've been, um, you've had an unconsensual pain, an unconsensual trauma, to be able to consensually go back in and be like, I'm going to feel this again. We're going to recreate this in the body, but this time I'm consenting. You not only reclaim your power, but you get to go through the pain and find pleasure on the other side and it's gone. Wow. You can use it as a place to drive. You can use it to find turn on, but it's no longer affecting the ripple effect in your entire life. It's not taking your energy away from you no. anymore. And you're not trying to you're not trying to play it out in all of your relationships with others, with nature, with yourself. Mm. And so our let's go back to that part where we're talking about desire. We are hardwired to heal. Mm-hmm. We are biologically programmed to desire the exact medicine our bodies need to heal. We are just constantly trying to maintain harmonic balance, homeostasis. But in the medical field, we know that homeostasis, that set point can happen at a, at a not, not optimal place. We can just ride here at a not optimal place, suboptimal, but our bodies will constantly crave the deepest relief and rest in the deepest harmony and our relationships crave harmony, and our world craves harmony, and our and the entire universe is just trying to get back to harmony. So when we're out of harmony, when we have had a, a experience where someone has wronged us, and we fell victim to that, it creates pain in our bodies. And our bodies are hardwired to heal that pain. So we start to desire. Our bodies are like, great, I'm going to give you dopamine when you start touching places that feel like medicine. Thank you, body. Holy like cow. Like, like ice cream. Uh, uh-huh. When I when I feel this pain, I'm going to start, my body's naturally going to crave the medicine that is needed. And so maybe the medicine is this toxic relationship. We can think that toxic relationship because if you can if you can confront your pain enough, in that relationship, and you can play out your mom-dad dynamics in the relationship and actually go through to the other side, then you've healed it and you can move on. And now you're out of the alchemical contract with that person and you can move on to the 
whatever else wants to be healed. But our desires, the people we're attracted to are simply because our body wants to heal. So we're attracted to the medicine we need. There's a reason why your toxic ex, you had the best sex with them because your body's just like, oh God, I want to unite with this so bad. There's so much desire here. And it gets, you know, really messes with our brain. We're like, what does it mean? Like, it's like, it doesn't mean anything. Your body's just trying to heal itself. So if Mm -hmm. we can look at all of our toxic relationships and be like, oh my gosh, you were medicine. Thank you. All I needed to do was merge with you in order to heal the part of me that had that dissonance that wasn't in harmony. Mm-hmm. It's a really high level um, philosophy of eros and desire. And so I'm curious how you're tracking it or where in your life you feel like this is resonant. Well, the thing that just came up right now is is like it's so outrageously cliche, but like everyone's like, oh, I married my dad or I married my mom. For and sure. It's like, yeah, we're all doing that again and again and <laughs> Thank again. Thank gosh. Like in all iterations or different aspects of them. And so like the current thing is, is that, so my partner and I, we just went to like a full, we call it the death portal mm. where it was like, okay, like we're going to end it. And we just like tried that on. And like for days we were in the like, okay, we'll let this be like our closing mm-hmm. ceremony. Mm-hmm. And we were wailing and crying and like, it was so sad and my heart was breaking <sighs> so wide open. But then I woke up one morning and I just heard this voice and it was like, what if you lean all the way in? Like, what if you love him all the way? And it's like your your inner voice was just wearing leather and had oh, a yeah, whip. My, oh yeah, and it like a full sword and shield. And it was like, shield. what if you went all the way through this, baby? Yeah, like let's yeah. go through the portal. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what happened on the other side? Now it's like even deeper love, like so outrageous <laughs> and so beautiful. Of course, because mm-hmm. you went to the place you were most afraid of. Mm-hmm. So as a healing community, in the spiritual world and in the medical world, both, we've just been trying to, to be palliative or, or decrease the amount of pain. Mm-hmm. Spiritual community, comfort, 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 because then we get the dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. But the real the harmony, that's surface. Freedom. If you... If you if you're like wait the healing though my true harmony lives here, you have to be courageous enough to go to the places that hurt. But I would offer that it's not just courage. Like you can be brave AF, but like if and you don't have the tools, yes. if you don't have facilitators, if you don't yes. have community, yes, then it's like how I'm brave, but I don't know what I don't know what to do. So that's where people come in. Mm-hmm. That's where people. That's where the dom. That's why the dom is such a thing Mm -hmm. because I love you so much. I'm going to create containment for you. I'm going to create ground. I'm going to create a safe place for you to thrash against me Mm -hmm. until you realize how powerful and beautiful and amazing and pleasurable that pain actually is Mm -hmm. when you go through to the other side. So we can't do it alone, which is why we have desire for other people. It's Mm -hmm. biologically programmed into our bodies. And then we have desire for someone and we put meaning to it. What does this mean? You're just in an alchemical contract for a limited amount of time to heal this place in your body. But we stop at marrying our dads. We stop there. Mm-hmm. And we are and just mad at And them. then we get divorced. And it just creates more trauma. Uh, and and we just and then we and then you're on the hamster wheel. And it's their fault. And, and it's we all pass that down them, to our kids. Of course, but no, 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 no. If you can look at if you're married to your father, <laughs> if you're if you're married to your mother, if you're playing out a scenario through the relationship if you can just zoom out for a moment and let me know if this resonates and say oh my gosh my body is so smart my dopamine i'm programmed to heal our bodies are programmed to find harmony and i have chosen the person who triggers the shit out of me 
have gratitude for that because you want to go through the pain. Don't try and make them different so that they don't trigger you. You're not healing them. You're healing you through this relationship. But I'm so good at healing other people. Oh, so much easier cool than bypassing. healing myself. Way to numb out. <laughs> of course. And these are the stories we tell. And so, and so, but our bodies will continue to scream at us until we actually listen. But instead mm. we get disease and pain and then we, we shut down. And so, so like at this point, like I feel clear of like, all right, so why isn't everyone listening to their body? I feel like the power is not just listening to the body. It's actually feeling the body and it's then going through that fire to move to liberation. Yes. So then like, why isn't everyone doing it? Because it's so scary. We've created a culture of comfort and we don't have enough people. We don't have enough practitioners who are safe enough to make you feel like you can fully surrender your body to a place where you can you can take away the control and fully trust fall into your pain and know that you are going to come out the other side and this is actually working for you. We don't mm -hmm. have enough people who have the training to ground themselves deep enough to say, I've got you no matter what happens. I know you feel like you're about to get re-traumatized. You're not because I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. We're going to go through the pain and I promise you, my love, we're going to go out the other side yeah. and it's going to be okay there. Yeah. And, the, the, and I have the capacity and the attunement to help let you feel held and I'm tracking, I'm tracking you before you tracking you. And not letting the nervous system spin out of control. So mm -hmm. there's also a, when it, the re-traumatization happens, when our, our systems say, I'm not safe, and then fear is the opposite of embodiment. And yeah. so then we lose it and we have to use our tools to come back and name things in the room and come back to presence yeah. because we're so afraid. And right. so the key is finding safety within your own body, mm -hmm. co-regulating with somebody else whose system feels actually safe, who has mm -hmm. your best interest in mind, mm -hmm. and understanding that the fundamental nature of our desire what we desire actually has so much truth to it and mm -hmm. so much medicine. We desire our eros, the thing that pulls us to people and places and things and foods mm -hmm. is medicine for us. Yeah. And there's a, if you look at the caduceus. Mm -hmm. Caduceus are the, the snakes spiraling which up. Which is the medical symbol. Mm -hmm. This is also the symbol for Kundalini, Kundalini mm -hmm. and Shakti, mm -hmm. the fundamental nature of our own erotic nature. Mm -hmm. It's hidden in plain sight on every single medical symbol. And and also that pine cone, that pineal gland, it's on the Pope's staff. It's on the temples in Asia. It's it's literally hiding in plain <laughs> sight. It is everywhere. It's like, this is the key to transmuting, yes. feeling the feelings and then alchemizing it with this pleasure. Yes. It's, it's what we've now dedicated or dedicating our lives to. And I just want to celebrate you. You're such an amazing, profound teacher. And these concepts are so clear. I'd love to just take a moment. We're, we're going to wrap up here in a moment, mm -hmm. but I would like to hear just like from you, like not Dr. Liz Letchford, like from Liz, the human, like I know just being your friend that you've gone through this extraordinarily huge and challenging and painful and massive transformation and healing and even awakening. And I think part of that was you feeling your feelings and being willing to look at the pain. And, and I remember you posted a story like over a little over a year ago where you're on Instagram. It was just to close friends. I noticed it wasn't to everyone. It was just to close friends. And you're like, I'm doing this deep healing with my spine. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks later, you had this like massive event happen. And I would just love to hear some of sure. that story that you feel inspired Thank to you. share. Yeah. So I 
for the longest time was very dissociated from my legs. My legs were really swollen and they were, I would get like spider veins and tons of cellulite. And of course, in the context of um, the society, that's like the last thing you want to do. You know, everyone's selling you a remedy to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And if we understand the nature of, of those things, it's fascial tightness. That's it. That's all that all of that is. It's just the fascia is really bound up and wound up. So that being said, I searched my whole life for a remedy to fix this. I was willing to do anything. My legs would be really stiff and achy and sore and swollen. And I hated them. My God, I hated them. I, I would have rather chopped them off and drug myself around on my stumpy body than walk around with my legs anymore. So I realized that's pretty intense. Let me help. Let me find someone who can actually hold safe space for me to go into this. And so I found a somatic therapist, um, a, a, um, a clinician, a doctor who has now um, realized the thing that we've just all been talking about for the past hour, who realized this, it's very important to bring the mind and the emotions and the past into your current present moment to heal. So we're going through a somatic release process, very similar to the very beginning stages of what we did. Listen to your body. What does it have to say? Mm -hmm. But we went all the way through to the other side. What my body had to say was it wanted to kick and it wanted to say, get off. My legs wanted to kick so violently. And I was like, I have no memory of ever my body wanting to do that. What happened when I was a baby that I don't remember? And I was like, hmm, what happened when I was a baby that I wanted to kick someone off of me? And I was just like, holy cow, I don't even really want to know but that lived in my body. So I asked my mom the next day, hey, like bracing for impact. Did something happen when I was a baby? Because I have no conscious memory, but my body had the memory. She knew exactly right away. She's like, yeah, when you were a baby, you used to hold your breath, turn blue and pass out when you got upset. So the first time it happened, we were freaking out. We took you to the hospital. And because you passed out, they needed to test for meningitis. And the test for meningitis is a spinal tap. So I, knowing being from the medical field, was like, there's always a standard operating procedure, standard procedure for the position of the body in the spinal tap. And I said, I bet you it's exactly the position my body refuses to go into. Turns out it is. They take the baby's feet like this both their feet, they round their spine, turn them on their sides, put their knees into their head and stick a needle in their spine. So at six months old, I immediately had fear in my body and I got disconnected from my legs. And so my whole life I was searching for the answer to be all I want. I didn't know consciously I want to be embodied in my legs. I just knew I hate my legs and it hurts and they hurt. My knees hurt and they're swollen and I hate them. And so I would desire to do things to them. I would desire to massage them. I would desire, they, they, it was obsessive desire. My focus was on them because my dopamine got a hit every time something was palliative to the pain. And so I searched and searched and searched. And so you can see how my desires through my life led me to looking into obsessively trauma therapy. And it led me to the place where I was able to heal. So as I cleared that and I ah, and I yelled and I got to express the part of me that as, at six months old never got to say, get off, to reclaim my body as mine, as I got to walk myself, my, my consciousness and my physical body through that process, mm-hmm. three days later, I had a spiritual awakening. It cleared something and I was free. And oh my gosh, it was really terrifying because... 
spiritual awakening is just you're you're now completely embodied. That's it. You're now completely embodied. Brain and body are totally talking to each other. Both channels of the spine open. Open. Mm-hmm. And and my body was contorting and twisting and I was pushing on places. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is craniosacral. And I was cracking my spine. I'm like, this is chiropractic. And I was moving. I was like, this is fascial release. I was like, this is spiral dance. And I was like, these mode, this is yoga. My body was yogaing itself. Like I, I didn't study it. I didn't study any of these ancient lineages ever. I was like Miss Science, like peer reviewed or die. And so I'm having this thing. I'm seeing all these movements move through me. And I'm like, holy cow, I've seen this before in all of the woo-woo spiritual people that I completely shunned because I was on science and not seeing the connection between the two. And it was happening through my body and it was undeniable. And I realized in that moment, because I know the body so well, Oh my gosh, this is the how the body heals itself. This is how all the indigenous people and all of the lineages that were so connected to their bodies and their earth, this is what they did. This is why they have dance that looks like this. It's just if you watch the if you know the tension on the fascia, it you'll start to spiral. We found mm. the spiral lines of the fascia. And it starts to unwind. So I'm unwinding and it looks like dance and it looks like mudras and it looks like chanting and it looks like shaking. And and I had to, there was this confrontation I had to have of like, holy cow, I am a white girl and I'm doing all these indigenous things and it feels shamanic and I don't, I don't have a lineage. And I, and I, and I had these stories of like, I'm not allowed to do this. Mm -hmm. I can't do this in public. People are going to shame me. Fear. So I immediately injected fear into my own spiritual awakening. Mm. Whoa, Mm -hmm. that's complicated. Mm -hmm. And so I had to negotiate that with my body and I had to lubricate the pathways between my body and mind to put pleasure and joy and love where there was once fear, but it was right in the middle of the thing that was healing me. Mm -hmm. And it was a really difficult trench to just dig. And it was just a, it was like, oh my gosh, but I did it. You did it. I did it. And now I carved a pathway through the rock and I'm like, (laughs) y'all, I done it. Come follow me. I know the way through. Mm -hmm. And so. I'll just speak to that, like watching you, like as your friend, like the intensity and the severity of that situation in the beginning and like where it really was like a split, like Liz Letcher, yeah. as we knew her, died. Yeah. And which is terrifying. And it was terrifying and scary yeah. for me as your yeah. friend. I cannot even imagine living in it of like my identity and my brain and my psyche and my relationship with my body as I knew it are gone. Mm-hmm. And what's on the other side of this is this almost infinite potential, this infinite access, this like wisdom that is much older than me and much smarter than me is working through my body and using me. And now what do I do with all of this? And I just want to celebrate you, like the way that you have integrated, the way you've integrated these realities of like the 3D and the 5D, the way you have integrated the science and the spirit and the way that you have allowed again and again, like broken yourself open. No, you haven't surrender. broken anything. You've al- allowed yeah. yourself to be Deep broken surrender. open again and again yeah. is so inspiring and so beautiful. And it, it really is like a model of what's possible when when you listen to your body and then and recognize that actually when you're listening to your body, you are listening to nature. Yes. You are listening to the divine working through you. Yes. And I'll just share like one quick story because we had the great fortune of going to India together and meeting the Dalai Lama together pretty recently. 
So we land, it's a long journey, like flight on flight. And we finally land. I remember saying out loud at breakfast to you, I was like, I feel like I just want to like go to a cabin for three days and cry. I feel like I've uncried tears in my back. And I actually like go to a place and cry for a few days. And that night, me and you and our dear friend Randall, we all tested positive for COVID. <laughs> We're like, wait, we just traveled 36 hours to see the like, Dalai Lama Emily, and now we all have COVID. <laughs> watch your prayers, girl. Know, very powerful Come manifesto. On. Don't do that. <laughs> and so me and you and Reverend Randall were in the woods and surrounded by monkeys, which is a whole other story for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, it was like nature, it felt like you were being puppeted, like you were a marionette mm -hmm. and you were like pulled mm -hmm. out this mushroom and you pulled out this prickly branch. And you're like, here, put this on your throat, mm -hmm. put this on your lungs. And I was like, okay. And, totally. and I was like, okay. And I'm just holding them there. And then our friend Randall takes a picture of it, Google searches it, and it turns out one is a really powerful anti uh, antiviral, and the other one is a really powerful bronchial support. One's chaff flower plant, and the other one was reishi mushroom. Whoa. I had no idea. Whoa. I'm just listening. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is how they discovered medicines in the in the times of people barefoot on the earth. Mm -hmm. So Wow. Just recognizing a moment where mm -hmm. I'm open, I've cleared the plea. I'm because I'm not afraid to surrender to pain. I'm courageous enough to go into the dark places. I'm courageous enough to continue to feel it all, even the hard things, which means I get to feel the really amazing things too. Yeah. I was able to surrender enough to be so in my body that I could sense the energy field that's measurable outside of our bodies. I could sense the energy field of the plants and all that is is frequency. And so I could tune into your energy, feel, oh, this is the disharmony. And then I would try to find the medicine for it. It's where we get all the medicine men and the shaman women. And it's it's the same, it's what I was doing, but I'm just like, so you, you know, dressed like this. <laughs> feeling the vibration in my body or what's mm -hmm. out of balance or where's the Where's COVID? the disharmony? Yeah, where's disharmony? Cool, remember that and go find the thing that is going to be an acoustic vibratory match to help either provoke it to be like come out or to harmonize it. And what does that feel like just from a somatic human experience? Like how would you describe, are you physically feeling something in your hand? Are you seeing something? Are you feeling like a vibration in your body? Mm, what is that like? It's kind of like if you imagine you're a bird and you're flying and you're catching the wind mm -hmm. or like if you're surfing and you're catching the waves, you're mm -hmm. just riding what's there. That's what I feel in my system. Like it feels like I'm, I'm being, it feels like I'm a puppet and I'm just being like kind of strung along by this invisible force, which is just the, the energy, I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I just, mm -hmm. I, I'm just, I'm being puppeteered by God almost, <laughs> yeah. it's like, which we all are. We're all being, we all you know, we're all instruments of the, the divine. divine, if mm -hmm. that feels comfortable and safe in your system, mm -hmm. or we're all being navigated by our own nervous system and biology that, that can sense the medicine we need. Dogs can go to the essential oils that they need in order to heal. Dogs can go to the medicine. They can sniff the medicine that their systems, that their, um, uh, even a, a service dogs can sense the medicine that their person needs. And they can smell the disease. Of course. And so it feels like if we bring this back to the fear and love, like according to the Vedas, there's only one thing and we're all it, uh -huh. right? That's like the most foundational uh -huh. concept. There is only one thing and uh -huh. we are all it. And that one thing is consciousness. And so like, what is the thing that moves us towards greater unity is love, yes. listening, love. What is the only thing that can move us away from that is fear. Mm -hmm. 
And so here in this, you know, there's fancy words for it and Kundalini awakening and all that. We could dissect it, but if we make it really, really simple, like there was fear in your body. There was fear from when you were six months old and had the original trauma, right? You cleared that. And then there was a spiritual awakening and then you infuse, and then there was fear that came in and then you transmuted that with love. And so it's like that separation that was happening from fear is now being unified from your ability to listen to it and love it. And that is actually ushering you into higher states of consciousness because all that means is more unity, more love. More embodiment. You have more access mm -hmm. to the entirety that's available to all of us. Mm -hmm. It's just you had to go through some really hard, challenging things in order oh, to do gosh, it. Oh gosh, it was so insane. Which is the whole thing. Like, why aren't we listening to our bodies? Because it's scary, because it hurts. But yeah. if we do that, then on the other side is liberation. Yeah. So Whoa. go go towards the pain. Yeah. I promise you, like it's the last thing you want to do, but I promise you on the other side of pain is freedom. So how would you, because I, I, am, I am reluctantly taking this medicine, go towards the pain, but what would you say to someone just as like safety, right? Yes. Like we started this episode talking about safety. Yeah. Like how would you just make sure that someone doesn't re-traumatize themselves? How would you make, make sure that someone feels safe enough to lean it all the way into the pain? Um, that's going to come from nervous system regulation. So finding ways for you Maybe to feel, yeah, for you to feel <laughs> grounded in your physical body, your mm -hmm. physical body to be mm -hmm. present. So mindfulness and presence mm -hmm. and co-regulation. With someone else. With that means you regulating else. with someone else. Which makes sure that your someone else is grounded. Otherwise it can, you know, there will yeah. be a dissonance there. It'll pop you off, but um, meaning you'll become unregulated. <laughs> uh, so practicing tools to help your nervous system regulate and only, only going towards the pain as much as your nervous system can handle because- what you said in the beginning, I want to bring it back to the very beginning. You want to just force it through, force it through. So you might have a tendency to just go, I'm going to feel as much pain as possible. And you might become dysregulated and become re-traumatized and you won't actually go through the pain. You'll stay in the cycle of pain. And that's where we get psychoses. That's where we get bipolar. That's where we get all these people who their, their systems are open, but they're stuck in their fragmented psyche. So it's actually really important there's a way out of that, but it's really important that your physical body stays grounded and safe. You're mm -hmm. able to breathe. You're able to be present. You're able to feel sensation in your physical body mm -hmm. while you're moving through pain. So when I work with someone, I'm I am right there with them, and I'm 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 we're going right into it. I'm pushing on the places of their physical body where they're like, don't touch me there mm -hmm. and their, their system is like don't I mean, it's consensual but <laughs> just to be clear <laughs> they pay me everything. It's fine. <laughs> we've all consented to this container but uh, you know say you're like I can't I hate my knees and I'm okay cool and we're gonna we're gonna get you to feel we're gonna teach your body to feel your knees and all of a sudden your heart rate starts to go and you start to get unreg dysregulated and I say come back this is all you're creating your reality so I'm speaking to their mind while I'm speaking to their body so finding a practitioner who can help you navigate through this not trying to do it alone we were never meant to heal alone mm -hmm. and being able to help your system come back to regulation and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to um, provoke the pain to a place that your nervous system can't regulate. And so it's really important to, to heal with somebody who understands that fundamental dynamic of, of going through the pain to the other side. And would that be like a somatic body Som worker, a somatic therapist? Like, I mean, where would someone listen start? to who you feel safe with. The number one thing is you feel safe with this person. Mm -hmm. If there's something in you that's like, oh, 
and you're not, and they're triggering you and you haven't paid for that service, which is a, which is a BDSM service. Yeah. They even paid them to trigger you as a person. Yeah. Like don't, don't go there. Like be ease into it. You don't have to yeah. go all the way through right away. It's a, it's taken me a very long time and lifetime to, to heal this stuff. Yeah. And so go slow, be patient. When I was in my awakening, I was like, great, my knees are going to stop hurting after two days of my awakening. I'm magic. And no, they, there's still pain there because I'm slowly sloughing off little layers and stories. And eventually my nervous system will feel safe enough to get to the root cause. It will be transmuted and I can put pleasure where there was once pain. Mm, pleasure where there was once pain through the ability to listen and then feel. So beautiful. All right, I'd love to ask you one question before we close, which is if you could install one code into the species, if you could like, as if, if you imagine like the human nervous system is its <laughs> own like computer code and you could just drop in your own line of Dr. Liz Letchford code, like what would that be? I would turn up the volume on courage. Mm. The courage to surrender to truth. Versus trying to control as well. Just like turning up the, just like, like courage increased. Mm, beautiful. That's something we really can't, we can do hard workouts, have hard conversations, do cold plunges. Like it's actually something you can practice. So yes. beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for your genius. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your outrageous gifts and for continuing to let nature use you, to let the divine flow through you. It's really beautiful. Where can people find more of you? Where can people work with you? Yeah, um, I have a website, lizletchford.com. You can find me on social media at Liz Letchford. Um, And then right now I'm getting really still and quiet and birthing a whole body of work that's rooted in this philosophy. So... Um, this is just the beginning. Yeah, just the beginning. Yeah, more to come. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining us for Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? It has been so fun to straddle this world of science and spirit with you. And my intention is that it's invited you to be a little bit more courageous, to actually listen to your body, to be brave enough to feel all of the sensations, all that your body might be trying to communicate to you. Because truly, like Dr. Liz Lutchford said, on the other side of that pain is liberation. On the other side of that pain is freedom. All right. I love you guys. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe and follow and share this episode with a friend. I know there's so many people that are suffocating in their own uh, numbing or suffocating in their own comfort, actually. And it's not until we hear these stories, see what's possible that we see it inside of ourselves. So thank you so much for your time, which is your most valuable resource. And thank you for sharing this with the people that you love. I love you. <laughs>